Welcome to the Let's Talk podcast from the University of Edinburgh, where we talk about life and all that it may throw at you at university, focusing on our mental health. I'm Harriet Harris, the university chaplain, and today I'm joined by Heather McAdam, a third year medical student. We're talking about suicidality and finding life again. In this podcast, you will hear about the mental pain that can lead someone to wanting to end their life. What helps and what doesn't help if you're feeling suicidal or if you're supporting someone who is, and how it's possible to come through a suicide attempt to enjoying and appreciating life in a whole new way. So Heather, really nice to be with you this afternoon. And you. And thank you for joining this podcast. Would you like to tell us a bit more about yourself, Heather? Um, so as you've said, I'm a third year medic, but I also do things. I helped found um, and run WellMed, which is a wellbeing group for medical students. I'm currently interclating in another degree, so global oh, health yeah. policy. Oh, great. And um, yeah, I just like to get involved in USA and wellbeing and stuff like that. Yeah. So WellMed is great, isn't it? And that's that. So WellMed and WellCom and these are really... Do you want to say a little bit more about these initiatives? Um, so basically the university, it's not the most well-known thing, but there's peer support groups. So it's basically groups run by students for students that help with things like wellbeing, um, studying, academic skills and... Um, we noticed last year there wasn't one for medical students, so we made one. And um, it's also open to different um, health students, so like medical sciences, nurses, just like with the unique challenges that you can face with um, the different health professions. Absolutely, because they are. I mean, because you're going, to, you're going to be going into a job that's supporting others with their health, and yes. you need to look, think about who's supporting the supporters and how do you, how, you know, how do you look after yourself and how do you look after one another in those professions. Yeah, it's a very, yeah. um, especially when you go into first year, it's very much your you've gone from being pretty good in the class to mm. everyone being good in the class, mm. and um, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, you have very high expectations of people and you have professionalism, and um, a lot of people panic. But they don't know who to turn to so we wanted to create a group that kind of overcame those hurdles well that's great and so so for the sake of our listeners how do they find you how would they get in touch if they're in any of those schools and think I'd like to find out more about WellMed? Uh, well, shameless plug, we've got an Instagram, we've got Facebook, it's just called WellMed Edinburgh. Um, and from us, you can find us online if you just Google it. Um, but we're always there available for messages, emails, ideas. We really want ideas on what people want because um, I think the there's a huge trend in society at the moment that, oh, if you give everyone yoga and then maybe some animals, they'll feel better. But <laughs> we're very much aware that um, there's some deeper issues there and we want to like give education and skills mm. that people yeah. can help manage that a bit better. That's great. Yeah, yoga and animals don't do it all. Yeah, <laughs> I wish they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Life were that simple. But that's good. So that's, that's gift number one then from this podcast, letting people know about well Yes, that's please give us a like and a follow. Yeah, very good. And I've got a gift for you. Um, Heather, because I like to bring gifts to our podcasters. So I don't know if you know, this is Michael Rosen's sad book. Oh, wow. No, I have not heard of that before. Yeah, well, you probably know Michael Rosen because he's just written some of the loveliest books, often picture books for children. Oh, I do love Quentin Blake. (laughs) Illustrated by Quentin Blake. And it's his... um, It's a book about the death of his son, actually, Mm -hmm. who... um, died of meningitis in fact I, I because it doesn't say how he died but he died when he was 18 mm-hmm. and it's all the ways in which one feels sad mm-hmm. in relation yes. to, <laughs> to that um told in his fantastic storytelling 
style. Yes. I definitely, yeah, writing can be one of the best medicines in a way and I'm saying yeah. that as a medical student yeah, that's, medic- <laughs> is that what you're prescribed to your <laughs> that's patients? what I prescribe yeah. no but it's but actually wait wait I mean that we we are we have within us the um the resources for our own healing don't we not necessarily the resources for our medical cure we need doctors to um understand how to cure us medically don't yes. we but, but the general wholeness of you know how we become whole again yeah I definitely to, found yeah. for me I've um my myself I have been through a lot of mental health and illness experiences and uh, even though the medication the medicalization of everything was a huge help um one of the biggest turning points for me was realizing okay I need to get myself better um and it's um it's quite a scary concept but definitely learning what you enjoy works for what works for you is a really big thing well that's a really powerful thing to say so let's let's find out more about that we our topic today is suicide and coping with suicide Mm -hmm. and Heather I wonder if you could start by telling us some of your own experience around suicide Mm -hmm. um so I um have been fortunate in perhaps the sense that I have never lost anyone to suicide, but I um, myself and my friends have, um, and people I know in general have gone through suicidal thoughts, suicidal attempts. Um, About 18 months ago, I went through a bout of really severe um, depression and anxiety, and it basically just, I somehow went to breaking point, and through that myself, I was hospitalized. And it's one of the scariest things. It's a thing people don't want to talk about. It's a thing I still struggle to talk about, even though it it wasn't my fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. It's just something that we all, something that is just, it is, it's so difficult to deal with. Like, even now, I'm not sure how I got through it. But, um, yeah, I'm, I have had quite close um relationship you could say with suicide and that okay. kind of life so you feel quite a familiarity with with the feelings of feeling suicidal of taking action to act, to act on those feelings yeah, yeah I think like um as a kid grew up going suicide was kind of um it's like oh, I, oh life's great why why would you want to do that why would you want to even think something like that to then becoming your head becoming in a sense not messed up, but so jumbled up that you cannot cope anymore. And it's very much understanding that suicide isn't a, I want to end my life. Suicide is, I want to end the pain. Mm. Um, like when I, um, after I went through that hospitalization phase, um, I saw a psychiatric nurse and she gave me a bunch of leaflets, which like sometimes become very ineffective you get like leaflet fatigue but I remember seeing this one statement and it was like the NHS definition of suicide and it was like basically um thoughts feelings actions in response to unbearable psychological pain and um I think that really really helped me because it made me understand okay I'm not giving up I'm not being selfish I'm not committing a sin as I feel like I have actually been taught at school oh really which is wrong right um but it's actually it's it's like almost the human it's the natural reflex to such unbearable pain and um and the thing we should be focusing on is oh why would they do that um but rather no one should have to go through that pain. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so the so the pain is so great mm-hmm. that that you want it to stop. Yes. Yeah. And you, you want a, a way 
out of all that that really excruciating yeah excruciating it's pain. like um it's not the nicest imagery but it's like if you're in a burning building um and flames you're in so much physical pain you would do anything to get away from that building which in itself almost endangers you even more mm. and mm. it the exact same thing applies to mental health as mm-hmm. well and mental illness so so you might well jump out of the yes, building yeah. to avoid the flames and yeah. to put an end to the terrible situation mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I think it's it's a very hard concept to get your head around but it's just um getting to the point yeah it's just being pushed mm-hmm. in the edge in every mm-hmm. sense of the word mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. It took me a long time to understand that, but mm. I'd be okay with it. Okay. Um, it's not a place anyone wants to be, but as with physical illness, no one wants to be in extreme physical illness either. Mm. So, so uh, when you were, so you were hospitalised, mm-hmm. and had you made an attempt on your life, or did you call emergency services because you were feeling like making an attempt on your um, life? Or? I had started making an attempt on my life, okay. and my friend, one of my heroes. Um, for some reason, I must have subconsciously thought, um, I don't want this. So mm. a friend called emergency services. Oh, okay. um, and that's, yeah, really like communicating. It's the hardest thing. Because mm. um, I think as well, growing up, it's very much, oh, if someone's suicidal or if I'm suicidal, then people's natural response would be like, oh, they're crazy, they're a maniac, they're insane, all these connotations that just aren't true. Mm. I'll be locked up and I won't be normal, even though no one wants to be normal anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Normal's not always good, is it? Yeah. No. Um, but it's just mm. this thing about like, I'll be really weird and I won't be human and people won't treat me the same. But okay. it's just... It's illness at the end of the day. Yeah, it That's... is, yeah. So all those thoughts of I might be judged as as weird, abnormal, mad, get locked up, did did they stop you letting people know until it got to breaking point? Yeah, I yeah. think I was very much, like, as well, again, from experiences when I was younger and people in school, especially, where perhaps you're in a much smaller community, there's less people having to deal with these things, You could mm. or you're less aware perhaps of people having to deal with these things it was very much like people will yeah I just won't be treated as me anymore which um at the end of the day the thing that you're stuck with for life is you and if you're something well I thought at the time other people didn't like then that's the end of it all mm. but that's not the case at no. all so and the last thing anyone wants to be seen as is is, is as an illness do they yeah it, you know? yeah that's and the thing that, it's like yeah. um very much it's like with the same problem with disability which i guess is why mental health's often grouped with disability physical disabilities is mm. um oh you see them as the guy in the wheelchair mm. so it's it's the same with mental illness it's like oh the bipolar guy or something mm. like that and it's just no it's someone with bipolar not Yes, it's that hum- it's that individual with all yeah, their characteristics yeah. and their story and their <laughs> they have their so life. they they live yeah. their life yes ninety percent right. of the time right. they have a few more struggles but at the end of the day that kind of makes them more admirable for mm. being able to do what mm. they want with the rest of their life so. so I mean we react in all sorts of ways quite rightly to any form of objectification don't we mm-hmm. where we're described as anything other than the person that we are. And, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. like that is I don't know why it's like that, but it's very much you grew up being told or somehow being influenced that different is weird. But the thing is, the other thing with mental illness is mental illness isn't even different. It's no, common. We all have right. we all have mental health and 
with health often comes illness that's natural that's fine it's just being able to deal with it manage it and cope with it and get that skills and resilience and a willingness to fight that um we all need to develop but in order to develop it we need to speak about we it more speak, yeah which yeah. just is not yeah and you're doing that today which yes is, <laughs> yeah, yeah so grateful that's that's really good and I believe you you've done it in other ways too so last week was suicide mm-hmm. awareness week yes and you wrote a post for that yes yeah do you want to say a bit about your post or um, shall I should we have a look at your post uh yeah see what sure you, see what um yeah, basically, so I, the start of me writing, so writing was a really, really big part to my recovery. My degree, which is, um, and a lot of stuff I do in my life, not much writing involved. Um, a lot of people run away at writing when they can or reading. Um, but basically what happened was just after I was hospitalised, I went home and um, I come from quite a small village where my parents live. And I just remember like within a week, somehow like half the village knew what mm. happened and mm-hmm. I'd often at school was like oh, I was the sensible one the hard-working one like oh she's got it all made it's all perfect and then they kind of weirdly kind of just grabbed onto that information and went oh she's not perfect like oh this is exciting let's all talk about it and I was like my life is not your entertainment and it's labels again it's labels yeah it's labels it's just like oh something Mm -hmm. went wrong that must define that person and um Mm. I just remember like hearing about it and go like okay you have no right a to like gossip about me and b to narrate it like it's some sort of drama series Mm -hmm. and Mm. So I decided, okay, I'm going to write about it and I'm going to post it on social media and publicly so anyone and everyone can see it. I'm okay with that. I was kind of very much at the point. I have nothing else to lose. Okay. Mm. Um, and actually, I did a thing called 100 Days of Happiness where basically every day I would, even the smallest thing, like a cup of tea, um, because when you are at those really bad stages, even getting out of bed is an achievement and yeah. it should be seen as an achievement. Yes. Yeah. Um, just little things. And then with that, I'd kind of write a reflection of what, how I felt, what I was going through, what I dealt with. And I was like, okay, this is probably going to backfire and be embarrassing or something. But actually... The feedback was amazing. Like every single one of those 100 days, someone messaged me in some form of another. And it was incredible, both positively and negatively, to see how many people were going through very, very similar things. And through that, I realized, oh, it's so powerful to be able to talk about it. I did other blog posts. I just like being able to truly, rawly express how you're feeling. Mm. It is something for me that took a lot of time and a mm. lot of building up of skills because, like, when I was first ill, I was like, I'm not telling anyone. Right. Um, so but, was that before or after the hospitalisation that you didn't want to tell anyone? Um, it, was, it, it was shortly before, but then when mm. people found out, I was like, oh, okay, people found out. Like, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what they okay. think. It's the people that you care about. Mm. If they understand, then they're the ones worth sticking by. Mm. Um, and the people that don't, it's quite often due to a lack of education mm. and understanding. Not like, yeah, if anyone, like the thing is with mental illness is it can affect absolutely anyone. Yeah. And 
like none of us are immune to it like you can do all the things like you can do all the right checklist stuff that the doctor gives you and you can still unfortunately come down with mental illness as you can physical illness exactly yeah and um that's the thing and that's why we all need education on it we all need to talk about it because it's like we all need to go to the gym Mm -hmm. like we all need to (laughs) or we're all supposed to go to the gym I've not been for a while (laughs) (laughs) walk anything whatever do do some sort of exercise exercise yeah yeah. and eat healthy like mental health checks like everyone should do it yeah yeah so 100 days of happiness so mm-hmm. you 100 days I mean that's great so that's quite a long time yes it, it um, was yeah. um very much those months so this was January 2018 to about April May um 2018 mm. that was very much for me the crucial steps in my kind of recovery you could mm. say mm-hmm. um a lot changed in a very short amount of time but being able to write that down and reflect on it and look back on it was um it was really really useful mm. and it was also really nice for others to see absolutely so it was a, and that was something proactive that you did mm-hmm. so you took it just to understand it you took a photo every day of something yeah that could be a little thing like a cup of tea yeah or a pretty flower or yeah. something like that um and actually i think it sometimes it takes us to be very ill or, or to have a very a sense of the thinness between life and death for us to appreciate those little moments. They can yeah, pass I, us by otherwise. I guess so, yeah, like yeah. I've got a bit of a cold at the moment and every time I get a cold, I'm like, I cannot wait to have a clear nose again. I'm going yes. to appreciate it so much. <laughs> you never do, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, it's probably the same with mental health. Like um, when I was ill, like just every day waking up exhausted was, yes. I, like you forget what normal life is like yes. and... Um, that's the thing is like you need to be able to appreciate the tiniest thing it's a skill like even everyone should have mm. like um I find for me one of the best resources I had was um and I still use is mindfulness right um that was a skill that I preached to everyone about is just um being able to observe the tiniest things mm. especially for things like anxiety mm-hmm. if you feel like the whole world's spinning if you're able to like for example what you said a flower and look at the flower mm. and just um the small details and what you feel and you just slow everything down I think like especially in our society where it's so fast and it's so easy to feel ignored and to ignore mm. everything else mm. that being able to focus on the smaller things yeah. it's a skill it's quite sad that it's a skill yeah, but yeah, yeah. But, it, but it is one that we can acquire so once it's suggested to us because it might yeah. not occur to us but it's mm-hmm. good to have it suggested to us yeah. and then we think actually I could I could grow that I could choose it's a sort of an intentional yeah um so I love it that you used social media um intentionally and positively so that's a really nice mm-hmm. shout out for the positive aspects of social yes. media and you in doing that you discovered that many other people feel mm-hmm. as you do so that's the sort of normalizing yes. if you like that um the good sense of normal mm-hmm. uh, and other people were helped because they heard that you had those experiences because i think one of the um real downsides of mental illness and feeling suicidal is that you you feel so very alone yes um for me very much I remember when I started feeling that way I um I called up helplines I spoke to the GP I spoke to other professionals in different capacities that you're told to go to and as lovely as they were unless you truly empathize and truly understand what that feeling is like 
um, like on the surface it's very easy to go oh but there's so much to live for and I was like well that's that's not what it is it's it's not I know there's so much to live for and I want to live but I cannot live with this pain and a lot of people forget that so for me for weeks and when you're in serious mental illness weeks can feel like years um just being told like oh just give it time I was told mm. by every single professional just wait a while give it time really and that was something that was like it felt like I was screaming internally yeah. it was like I'm giving it so much to, yeah. I don't know what to do like if you were again go back to the anecdote of the burning building you wouldn't just stand in the building and just say ah oh, the flames will die off it's the exact same if it's in your head mm. like um and I think that's again a big educational thing that we need to work on well that's really helpful and if this podcast can help with that so that sense of that that it's not helpful to be told give it time there's a lot to live for yeah so you needed to hear people hearing your pain and and trying to do something that spoke to that pain because it's very much like as much as I can say I really can't cope Hmm. it's being able to truly understand that um going like oh it's fine we'll just keep an eye on them they'll be fine they'll get past it and I was like but that person is going through like psychological hell yeah. right now yes, absolutely <laughs> excruciating yeah yeah um so it's it's very much like an educational thing just people don't know like mm. you're just not ever told because it's like I suppose physical pain's a thing since you're a kid you cut your knee but then when it's in your head no one else can see that no. Um, and we're not really given the resources or the openness to say it's fine to also have it in your head. Mm. And then through that, there's so much build up. There's so much shame. There's so much stigma that we all innately build up on ourselves over the years because there's just no platform for releasing all of that. Okay. That um, yeah, you lead to things like in Scotland an increase in suicide rate and. Okay. Um, mental illness amongst the younger generation as the pressure builds up, up and up. Mm. Because not only do we have all those innate, well, learned more behaviours of um, the shame and the guilt, but we also have arguably increasing pressures. Like we, society is so quick that we can't stop and look at that flower. We Mm. just have to do more, more, more. But we also have all these feelings and no one's telling us it's a okay to have those yeah. feelings and b how to manage them. Here are some things that can happen. Yeah. So, and I think another thing that that sometimes doesn't help, and I've I've seen this a lot and can can sort of sense the experience of it is, is, is to be told when you're in so much pain, I'm worried about you. Yes. Or, you know, because that piles on more pain, mm-hmm. and and you feel like you're already carrying so much that you can't carry other people's as well. Yeah. Like uh, um, a big thing for me ringing in my head going was oh if I do anything to myself that will cause so much pain for others like that's selfish you shouldn't do that and the thing is in my head like it was so clustered and like everything was like a mess and all over the place that that wasn't where I was thinking where I was thinking was now I'm causing pain being the way I am and I want to get away from causing people that pain so by someone saying something like I am worried about you or I'm really stressed about you you're going okay you're I'm causing that person more inconvenience more 
misery like if I get if I'm just I'm not there then that misery and worry and all sorts will go away um and that's people tend to like it's it's so often like written especially online and stuff going like oh I regret not doing this regret not doing that with my friend who is feeling suicidal because people tend to look so you have the suicide and before that people are like oh they're fine they're fine they're fine they're fine but the thing is once the suicide has happened it's like oh it's too late Mm -hmm. so people always just kind of are in denial about the before suicide thing if it hasn't happened then okay I mean it is one of the one of the, the, the such difficult processes to go through if somebody has completed suicide, to go through all that, what if, what if, if only, mm-hmm. what if, what if, yeah. and all those all mm-hmm. those questions. So what might help with that is to hear a sense of what has helped you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, like, a thing that actually helped in those really critical days was um, it was a rule I read, and it was like, if you can find... You've got, like, a seven-day... Um, like kind of waiting period if you can find one thing even the tiniest thing even subconsciously go oh that smells nice (laughs) then you have to start the seven days again and the thing is as a human the way your behavior processes go there's always going to be something and that means if there's one tiny thing worth living for you should live there's a reason to fight and then I think the other thing that really helped me like post the hospitalization period to go okay I don't want to feel like this anymore well obviously no one wants to feel like that but very much I looked like okay I have a blank canvas I have a wall I've pretty much knocked down and destroyed the wall but I can now make it whatever I want to be mm. I I'm no longer going to tie myself down to all these pressures these societal constraints and instead I'm going to do what I want to do rather than what I feel I should do and with that it just felt like there was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders and I was going to try and very slowly build things up the way I want it to be I was no longer living this life where things were kind of non-stop um pressures non-stop day-to-day life I was like okay I had a shower today that's an achievement Mm. Um, I made my dinner today that's an achievement and just like looking on those tiny things it's just yeah it is the small things that really really count because if you just try and make an impossible list of like 20 big things that you don't achieve you're just going to feel miserable again you're going to feel oh I can't do anything Mm. there's no point Mm -hmm. whereas if I go okay I had a nice warm shower today I smell nice Mm. like just the little pleasures are like okay I can heal myself I'm capable of this I don't have to listen to others I don't have to do the checklist of what is well-being what is feeling good like I can make my own list Mm. so it sounds like you've actually gone through really um huge changes in your own thinking Mm -hmm. which which is sort of which one might hope to have gone through after a a lifetime but you've really sped up (laughs) you learned that quickly not to worry about what other people think and you know all of that you've shed that which Mm -hmm. is so liberating it sounds to me like it's hugely liberating I think like the big so when that happened I obviously took time out of uni um that was no problem at all um fortunately for me um they yeah basically said okay go 
take as much time as you need. How, how long did you take out? Um, so it was six months. Okay. Um, it was until oh. the following academic year. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't want to do it oh. at all. Mm. Um, I was like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> I wasn't fine. <laughs> but I was like, I'll push for it. Um, push for it. It's a terrible idea, mm. by the way. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what? So, were you encouraged? So, did the university encourage you to take time? Um, my, it was my family, family okay. and then the uni were very much. They were very understanding okay. because from there on, I was just as open as I could be. Mm. And um, the thing is, like, I had, I was just so terrified I was going to lose everything. Mm. I was like, oh, I'm missing. It. I'm a year behind everyone else, even though at university everyone's every age. Mm. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be different groups all my friends I'm gonna meet so many people and I'm gonna keep in contact with them it really it didn't matter and the thing is even though I felt maybe in my head I missed out on the academic growth of that year the personal growth was 10 times more than it would be if I did both things at once sounds like it's been huge actually yeah and and it it will be really helpful for the profession you're going into yes I think like now the thing is going back into the course like when I first started I was like oh okay this 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 I need to do this all the time um stressing about like oh the course is my life whereas now I'm like oh the course is a bit of my life I will do that bit when needed but I won't worry about it all the time and just like Especially like for people of my age coming to uni is we start school, nursery, whatever, when we're 34, mm. you go and do exams, you finish exams when you're like 18 and then you go to uni when you're 18. You know nothing else other than the school system, mm. exam system, being in a system where everyone does the same thing. Whereas being able to take the time out and almost misalign yourself it's one of the hardest things but then it just puts everything into context it's just like this is a system everyone does Mm. you're not missing out on anything like um Mm. there's so much time to go back to it to do what you want and there's so many pathways you can follow like you don't need to do it all now Um, I love that concept of misaligning yourself. That's fantastic because that means that you're seeing something from, you can then see from a very different angle. Yeah. And that gives you so much insight. Yeah, I think that's the thing is, yeah, as I was saying, for some reason we grow up and everyone is kind of taught that it's intentionally or not, it's wrong to be different. But the thing is, at the end of the day, it is your life. No one is going to care, mm. especially not you when you're on your deathbed. A way I, it's a slightly dark mm. way of thinking yeah. of it, but you're but, sitting on your deathbed. Yeah. You're not going to compare, uh, care about that one year you missed an exam. You're going to care about how you felt about everything you did. Yeah. Um, and th- that's that was the thing. It's like I can either spend like so many more years getting through this system just surviving just about well that that was the thing that like when I the semester before I took time out it was literally a case of surviving and that's not how it should be especially in the society we're in it should be to use the cliche completely thriving completely doing what you want to do what is right for you it's what's life-giving yeah 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 you need um, to find where the life like is you to... literally have one life mm. and um yeah you there's no point doing a system that in like 500 years time may not exist anymore you want to live a life that made you happy Mm. and um like just the progress that mattered for you because the thing is like whatever qualification I did 
probably won't exist in 50 years. People really won't care about it. It's about, oh, they'll care about like what you learned, what message you mm. gave. Um, the human being that you are. Yeah, the which, human being yeah. you are, which mm-hmm. everyone is unique and individual. Mm. Like 500 people with the same degree, that's not unique and individual. So just like putting it into context, I think was a very big thing for me and getting mm. out of that bubble. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, well done. And so what... Did you have, I wonder if you ever used any of the um, helplines like Papyrus or, or any um, of the agencies that, that are there for people who are feeling suicidal and what your experience was, um, if, you, like, if so? I think Papyrus is great because there's something very unique unique about young person's mm. suicide, mm. Um, especially if you're still in school or you've just moved to university. It's incredibly isolating. Mm. You're in a phase where you're meant to be an adult. I don't feel like an adult. And you're no, just I wonder like, who does. Yeah, who, I know, I know. Like, like apparently you just get better at pretending <laughs> to be one. But um, it's just, it, yeah, it's something that's like, okay, you may be young and apparently have it made and can choose everything, but it's also okay to feel like absolute crap as well. Mm. Um, so Papyrus was great for that. The best one for me actually was Edinburgh Crisis Centre. Oh, okay. They, they were brilliant. Good. Um, mm. Because it really... It felt very personalised, which is what you need. Mm. Um, like there were so many times I was just given sheets for helplines or advice and like on workbooks and stuff. And even those Samaritans and stuff like that, it's great. It's so large scale. You're like, oh, I'm just another person like being needy oh, or something like oh that, dear. which is which is never they which never want you to feel like Yeah, no. which is not the intention of no, them at all. But no. then with Edinburgh Crisis Centre, it's like, OK, they they're based 20 minutes away mm. it's someone who likely lives a similar life to me mm-hmm. and they just want you to talk they yeah. want you to express how you feel and it was just yeah. like I feel safe yeah like there's somewhere I can go in my city my home so you went along was, did you I didn't go yeah. along but mm-hmm. I but knew you can. that you yeah I knew the option mm-hmm. was there mm-hmm. which made a big difference mm-hmm. like the thing is um, with a lot of the other organisations, like often they'll go, okay, go to the hospital. And for me, when I was in hospital and feeling that way, even though the stuff they do is brilliant, it was one of the most terrifying mm. things because you're, yeah, you have no, it just nothing's familiar, no. nothing's homely. No. Um, yeah, it was probably, I don't get scared easily, but that was probably one of the most yeah. scary experiences yeah. because... I was like, oh, I'm just, yeah, it just felt completely alien. So the care was great, but the context was yes. frightening. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think, like, when you're feeling really upset, I think the natural thing is you just want a friend or family member to give you a hug. When you're in hospital, mm. as lovely as all the doctors and nurses are, they they can't give every patient no. a hug. <laughs> no, sadly, yeah. And, like, yeah. the white what, yeah. It, yeah. Um, it was... It was scary and confusing, whereas I think with Edinburgh Crisis Centre, I was like, okay, it's a bit slower, it's a bit more... Because it was smaller as well, I think it was just like, okay, I'm actually a person. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. That's, that's, yes, (laughs) to to be put back in touch with your humanity and... to go like, you're not a crazy Mm. criminal or anything like that. You're you're a human who's feeling emotions and that is okay. Yes. Um, And you're feeling tough emotions at this time, but we'll help you get through it. And I think that's why things like education is needed 
is that you can help your friend or family member out you don't have to send them to the hospital you can be there and you can just you don't have to say anything you don't have to do anything you just need to be there um so that's a very powerful thing because you know and one of the things I, I wanted to say to you is what would you like to say to others so that's very powerful so to be there not necessarily doing or saying yeah because um, I think like I know like it's not anyone's fault at all you have no idea what you're doing it's a scary situation but um people feeling a they were responsible which they weren't Okay. Um, and B, that they had to say something or do the right thing. Like, just being, knowing, like me, knowing that they were there was, meant the world. It meant, okay, I'm not alone. They acknowledge mm. what I'm going through and mm. it's fine. Mm-hmm. I do not need special measures because that alienates me even more. Just okay. going, we can work through this. Okay. I think someone messaged going, me going, we will get through this. And mm. it, it made the work like made a huge difference to me instead of going you can get through this yeah all right. like, can i yeah <laughs> on my yeah. own so the sense that, that that someone else can be there i think yeah that's you. when community is really really important mm. especially at places like uni like this mm. edinburgh uni is very very big mm. and um especially when you're first year like okay i know some people but i and like these, there's these big helplines, which is amazing as they are. I'm just like, I'm just me. It's quite scary to call that big helpline. Just like knowing there's a small group that can be friendly, can give okay. you a hug. Yeah. Like, where did you find that group? Was it from course mates, flatmates? Um, my um, friends, fortunately, yeah. were really, really helpful. Like, I, I had some negative situations where people just freaked out and wanted nothing to do with me. Okay. But. Um, I'd like to say I was quite fortunate that um, I that's rare mm. um, um, it's because yeah I think that's the one the worst thing you could probably do is abandon someone when they're feeling like that um, mm. it's yeah it's much better to say nothing than go mm. either way say too much or run mm. away because um, that that was something that probably um made me feel even more alone mm. so um it would do and, and and i suppose in a way we could we we can all benefit from learning to sit with difficult emotions and difficult thoughts that feel yeah. overwhelming and, and one of the ways in which they stop being so overwhelming is is when we learn to sit with the discomfort of those and let them work themselves through yeah and if someone else can also sit with us in that it helps us to know yeah. that they're they're actually it helps to make them bearable so what what might have felt unbearable you absolutely can't bear it if somebody can can bear them with you and not pretend that they're not difficult but actually yeah have the tolerance for them (laughs) I think my thought processes were um I had a very it was a sad situation because it wasn't because they meant any harm or anything like that but because they just didn't know what to do no And the thing is, you can, there's like so two sides of the spectrum that people unfortunately very commonly get into is um, either like, oh, no, they they won't do anything. Like, oh, they're just exaggerating. Like, especially in our culture, it's like everyone says they have anxiety. So that must mean no one really has anxiety. And it's just um, Mm. a bit, so like it's the denial side of things again due to lack of education but then you also have the other side is like oh this person has a mental health illness um and like oh i can't 
have anything to do with it. It's dangerous, can't touch it. It's like uh, China. If I touch it, it'll fall over and break. But it's just like, no, this person's ill. Um, Mm. And every Mm. human gets ill with Mm. life. There's illness. Mm. Mm -hmm. And just being able to be there Mm. and... I suppose when it touches up against someone else's fragility that they might start to feel themselves becoming less well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the the Mm. balance and also Mm. the fear is kind of um, like a thing I had to teach myself when people would come and approach me is like, okay, you've got to put on your own oxygen mask before you put on someone else's, Mm -hmm. especially as a medic. That's something that's quite hard to learn, but you have to learn. You have to, yeah. Um, So that applies for when you're trying to support someone emotionally and through mental illness. Um, is just being able to like look, keep an eye on how you're feeling and stuff. But then you also need to be aware is that it's not contagious. Yes, because that, that is a fear, isn't it? <laughs> that is a fear. Like I feel like, oh, I'm around this depressed person all the time. I'll, I'll f- I feel really sad now. It was like, well, that's not what it's all about. It's mm. just being able to be there for mm. someone and mm. um, no, don't panic. <laughs> mm. You're not going to get some big disease. No. And at the end of the day, it is, yeah, education, discussion and preventative measures as well, just to create a kind of healthier sense of community. And then we don't have to have the situation like I had, like just after I was hospitalised. Flatmate, actually, um, yeah, she was like, I'm really sorry, but I don't want to... I can't be in contact with you anymore because okay. she was just scared. She was scared, and that and and that in some ways we need to honour that as well, don't we? Yeah, you know, that's you know and, and helpful that she said so. Yes, probably. Um, although hard. Yeah, probably um, hard to hear and perhaps yeah. hard for her to have said as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're with somebody who's anxious, you will pick. You may well pick up yes. their anxiety or. I suppose quite a good gauge of whether you're with someone who's depressed is that you might start to feel quite heavy yes. depressed yourself. But it doesn't mean you're catching anxiety or catching depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just means I think like such a very feeling. big thing in yeah. our society is yeah. you can it is it is healthy to have down days. It is healthy to yeah. feel anxious. Like anxious is a natural same with depression. It has a function, doesn't it? Yeah, it, like it gets us prepared for when things. When we were hunter gatherers yeah. if there was a lion chasing after you, you want to have the anxiety to run away yeah. from that lion um and it can even today, like it's healthy to feel stressed about exams because yes, then you revise what, for the absolutely. exam. Um, so it, it's an emotion. Mm. Uh, and I think being able to go, it's an emotion and then you have an illness. They're different things. Yeah, yeah um, that's right. And, so, and being able to be in tune with somebody who you're with. So mm-hmm. if you're aware, if you're aware of their anxiety, then you're informed yeah. and, and you can then react you know appropriately mm-hmm. if you were completely dead to how somebody else was feeling then what would that say about our humanity yeah <laughs> i know it's like a <laughs> like what's the point <laughs> b know, it's yeah. just kind of um <clears throat> yeah it's just kind of, it's not very helpful for either party mm, if you don't no. understand each other on no. that emotional level so yeah. i mean that's how empathy you need to have some yes. of your own experience to be able to empathize in any kind of way and i think yeah it's just education like being scared I think I'm everyone's been guilty of is when the first time you see like a disability or a mental illness or even a physical illness you can be like you can be scared because it's hmm. it's, it's not job. happy a lot of the time mm-hmm. unfortunately but that that is way of life and I think we're scared of feelings we don't understand aren't we we're, we're scared of things we don't understand yes so it's getting more familiar yeah with the feelings that that can threaten to overwhelm us but they won't overwhelm us if we get 
used to being able to tolerate them. yeah I think yeah. like also yeah. just being able to be told like there's such a big thing about medicalization of everything we need to get rid of pain in any form like that's what we're developing yeah. into yeah. every company is trying to create a drug to cure any pain but we need we need a bit of pain yeah, to understand pain. pain has a function as well and we learn like my personal experience is horrific I would not wish them on anyone but in a weird twisted way I am super glad it happened because I have learned so much about myself I have learned how amazing my friends and family can be and mm. I've learned just general really good life skills um and that if I just had a drug that got rid of all the pain I would never have had any of those experiences um so yeah it's it's very important to I mean take time for yourself but also try as natural as the response may seem not run away if it's yourself or someone else Mm. because not only are you perhaps cushioning yourself more so in the future you something worse might come along and you just will completely break to pieces but also like being like me myself being in the mental state I was in and then someone telling me oh you I like I can't bear talking to you I can't bear being with you in your head you're like okay if someone else can't bear what I'm going through why should I bear what I'm going through and it's very Mm. much getting a balance and an understanding and um that yeah that that was probably the toughest thing it wasn't actually the hospitalization and stuff it was the rejection right um and yeah that's another reason I just yeah people need to open up the discussion it needs to be something not to be scared of because uh yeah it was that rejection that Mm. almost sense of I'm super contagious and contaminated Mm. and all those thought processes that may not be logical but especially with a lot of mental illness goes run through your head again and again you ruminate and to have that kind of not only in your head but kind of reconfirmed by an individual it makes it seem very real and Mm. it's another hurdle in the way so I I learned a lot and Mm. I think it made me very aware of being careful not careful as in scared but kind of aware of being understanding of what someone can be going through because even though they could be angry they could be upset irrational whatever it may be in their head somehow to them at the time it will seem logical and it'll sensible what they're saying and thinking and you need to help them develop that into a way that's manageable and doesn't hurt anyone especially themselves so I think yeah it's a skill and it's hard um but I do believe it's hopefully something we can all start to develop a bit more that's right and you've been so thoughtful and considerate and it's a skill that that we need doctors to have so you you will be taking that into your I hope so I yeah I'm I think that a lot of people reassured me with maybe not the best thing, but they were like, oh, yeah, like the best doctor I've had. Like she's been through really tough experiences mm. and it shouldn't mm. in no way be a qualification. But um, you like pain can be good. Mm. It can be horrible, but it you, you can learn a lot from it. And it's very much like when the kind of like phrase making the most of a bad situation is really really important is to very much turn things on their head going like for so long after I was hospitalized I was like I saw my situation and I was like 
there's no point it's broken like everything I felt like my life for some reason was ruined and I was like oh there's there's no point there's nothing to go on but the thing is with that is you can only go up right okay (laughs) so I was a bit like there's so much growth that could happen so what would you like to say to somebody who's who's um in such pain that they might think the only way to get this pain to stop is to end their lives um I think it's very much to like see in yourself what what makes like the simple things what works for you Mm. not to I was very much reliant in what all the organizations what the healthcare professionals everyone like that and or people who hadn't experienced what I'd experienced for going through and going okay if I go to the gym if I eat well if I take my medication then it'll all go away and sometimes that is not the case okay that helps maintain it but when you're in such a bad state just being able to go how can I I make myself feel a little bit better today not worrying about huge easier said than done but the huge kind of context of life and responsibilities just thinking like if I can give myself the tiniest joy Mm. then I can work with that it's something to work with Mm. So that sounds to me like a really good analogy with physical illness, doesn't it? So if you're mm-hmm. physically ill, you need to you need to lie down. Yeah. You need basically it's you and your you and your your duvet, isn't it? Yeah. And you don't you don't take on the rest of the world. Yeah. You take on the tiniest little thing. Mm-hmm. And to think about that in relation to mental pain and yeah. mental illness sounds really helpful. Yeah, I mm. think it it's just yes, yeah, mm. it sounds so obvious, but it was a thing that just never came into my no. head. It was like, okay, we have all these millions of things going on in our lives and I need to keep them all going like well no if I was sick I'd take the day off Mm. and I'd sleep Mm. (laughs) so it's so helpful you've pointed that out I think that's really good and are there things you would want to say to friends or family members of somebody in as much pain um I think it's very much like while you being with someone like that Mm. it's the same as being a you could say carer even for mm. someone with a physical mm. illness is it is absolutely incredible what you're doing you mm. need to look after yourself most importantly because as I said like with the oxygen mask if you can't breathe no one else is going to mm. be able to breathe mm. um it's just yeah it's incredible what you're doing and the understanding especially if you've not been through anything like that but just time understanding even trying to imagine understanding going like okay I know what this person's really like if they're mentally ill and they're doing these things that are not like them that doesn't mean they're a changed person that Mm. just means it's all a bit complicated right now so you might be able to hold on to 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 the whole person in a way that the 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 person in pain can't at that time so you can hold on for them is is Mm -hmm. that yeah it's just a lovely which is a lovely role to have yeah it's a privilege to have that role for somebody yeah it's just kind of being there knowing Mm. it will be okay like that was a thing for a long time I did not believe I was like oh I I don't think it will be okay so you you couldn't see that yeah yeah but being able to go like it will be okay you will get through this like so many people told me I was like oh it does get better it does get better and I was like better felt like a strong word like okay was a very important word okay was I'm managing, I'm not surviving, I'm managing. Okay. So OK felt realistic? OK felt it? realistic, okay. I felt. Like, small things make a big difference. Yeah. And people who were able to hold that for you, mm-hmm. the, 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 the the bigger sense of who you were. Yeah. Um, and be happy with 
it being little baby steps. It could even be perhaps one step forward, two steps back sometimes, was it? Yeah, or, it quite yeah. often was. Yeah. And my mum used to say that and it made a big difference. Was mm. like sometimes it's like investments. Sometimes you have right. to give away a bit more money to get a bigger return. Yeah. Um, That's a nice. <laughs> <laughs> I find that um, quite helpful. Mm. And I think, yeah, that was a thing for me because I was very much, oh, I must get better, keep on getting better, like uh, um, keep on going up the way exponentially. I was like, no, that's not the case. Um, it's very much, especially like a lot of professionals hope it's the case that you just get better, better, better. And you're like, no, it's it's very much a DIY project. So allow, allow and don't be alarmed if, yeah. if you're going backwards sometimes. Yeah, it's it feels like, like you're going try, especially with conditions like depression, it's very hard, but don't dwell and okay today was like not a great day but Mm. it's fine not every day if you have one good day out of 100 days then that's still it's still a good day and Mm. that's Mm. the thing and even on bad days can there be one good thing yeah there there Mm. will always i think we're just we have especially with things like our phones now we have so much input that is going out of us and in and of us we forget about our tiny little thoughts. So like you get up in the morning, you're like, oh, that smells nice. But mm. you don't think about it anymore. Mm. Mm. You have that process in your head, but you don't really think, mm. oh, this is actually a positive thing. Mm. Um, so just, yeah, start small is probably what I'd recommend the most. Well, what a lovely lesson, start small. That's lovely. And what what makes you smile, Heather? Um just yeah the the little things just you have to say you'd be smiling all afternoon yeah <laughs> i don't know why it's the first day of uni today no um i think it, <laughs> it is i think like mm. with me taking a semester out it made me really realize i'm gonna sound really sad for saying this but i i really love what i learn and what i do mm. and everything i do now is because i really enjoy it um i'm very adamant i'm not going to let myself there there will be not everything will be good definitely not but I'm not going to get myself hopefully into the state again where I'm doing everything for the sake of it or because Mm. everyone else is doing it I'm doing it because it's what I want to Mm. do Mm. and um yeah so it sounds as though um some important things that needed to die Mm -hmm. died yes yes (laughs) and you know doing doing things for the wrong reason doing things for reasons that actually just wore you out and weren't life enhancing yeah i think i think yeah a rebirth Mm. even though it's horrible and Mm. the whole thing was you can it's okay to start from scratch it just feels like from basically the minute we're born we're supposed to be building up our lives and what we're meant to be but sometimes you just need to go actually i'm not liking what i'm building at the moment Mm. let's try and build something new you had a sort of phoenix moment yes yeah. yes yeah. i like that <laughs> phoenix moment so great so something so we do we do need things to die in our lives don't we? we don't want us not not ourselves no. not don't harm yourself don't harm your body but but some of the we need to let some things yeah go so letting go live. is yeah yeah it's hard yeah. i feel yeah. like especially our generation in society is fear of missing out is a very big issue it's like i need to do everything and anything that everyone else does but it's like no you can let some stuff go go. if you're not enjoying it don't do it yeah (laughs) Um, yeah Yeah. and i think yeah that was something is like you it's very important skill to learn is to go okay i need i need to let some parts of my life die but i'm not gonna die because i have so much to live for 
like I know I have so much to live for there I had my life before I felt like this and I have my life afterward and just kind of remembering that Mm. really really helped well what a wonderful note to end on thanks so much Heather no problem really good talking to you thank you thank you If any of the issues in this broadcast have affected you and you'd like support, here are some helplines. First, if you feel that you or someone you are with is in danger right now, please call 999. There is a mental health assessment service for those in or near Edinburgh, which can be contacted on 0131 537 6000. For phone consultations, there is also breathing space, which can be contacted on 0800-838587 The Samaritans 08457-909090 The Edinburgh Crisis Centre You can telephone and you can also visit physically Their number is 0808-801-0414 For university support Nightline offers student support and information Their number is 0131 557-4444. The university staff or student counselling services and the university listening service offer daytime and some evening support and we can both be found on the university website.